This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of renal osteodystrophy from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Renal osteodystrophy is a spectrum of disease seen in patients with chronic renal disease. It's characterized by bone mineralization deficiency due to electrolyte and endocrine abnormalities. It is a common cause of hypocalcemia. As far as the pathophysiology of renal osteodystrophy, hypocalcemia seen in this condition is due to the inability of the damaged kidney to convert vitamin D3 to calcitriol, which is the active form of vitamin D. This occurs because of phosphate retention, otherwise known as hyperphosphatemia. Hyperparathyroidism and secondary hyperphosphatemia in the setting of renal osteodystrophy is caused by hypocalcemia and lack of phosphate excretion by the damaged kidney. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. Hyperparathyroidism and secondary hyperphosphatemia in the setting of renal osteodystrophy is caused by hypocalcemia and lack of phosphate excretion by the damaged kidney. Finally, remember that uremia-related phosphate retention in the setting of renal osteodystrophy is a key pathologic step. And this has also been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll repeat it. Uremia-related phosphate retention in the setting of renal osteodystrophy is a key pathologic step. Associated orthopedic manifestations with renal osteodystrophy include osteomalacia in adults and growth retardation in children. Other orthopedic manifestations include avascular necrosis, tendinitis and tendon rupture, carpal tunnel syndrome secondary to deposition of amyloid, specifically beta-2 microglobulin, pathologic fracture from brown tumors secondary to hyperparathyroidism, or pathologic fractures from amyloid deposits, and finally, renal osteodystrophy can also be associated with osteomyelitis and septic arthritis. As far as the classification of renal osteodystrophy, there are two types to know. High turnover renal bone disease, or high PTH disease, and low turnover renal bone disease, and low turnover renal bone disease, or normal PTH disease. So with respect to high turnover renal bone disease, or high PTH disease, chronically elevated phosphate leads to secondary hyperparathyroidism. So in this case, hyperphosphatemia lowers serum calcium, stimulating parathyroid hormone. Phosphorus impairs renal 1-alpha-hydroxylase, reducing 125-vitamin D3 production. Phosphorus retention directly stimulates PTH production. Finally, in high turnover renal bone disease or high PTH disease, there will be hyperplasia of the chief cells of the parathyroid gland. Associated lab values in the setting of high turnover renal bone disease include decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone. This has been a tested point on previous exams, so I'll say it again. Associated lab values in the setting of high turnover renal bone disease or high PTH disease include decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone. Moving on to low turnover renal bone disease or normal PTH disease, this is characterized by lack of secondary hyperparathyroidism. You will see normal levels of PTH with characteristic bone lesions marked by low levels of bone formation. In low turnover renal bone disease, you will see excess deposition of aluminum into bone, which affects bone mineralization. Specifically, it will impair differentiation of precursors into osteoblasts and osteoblast production. 
It also impairs PTH release from the parathyroid gland and disrupts mineralization. Moving on to the presentation of renal osteodystrophy, patients may have symptoms of weakness, bone pain, pathologic fracture, which is the most common complication, skeletal deformity, and symptoms of hypocalcemia, which include abdominal pain, muscle cramps, dyspnea, convulsions seizures, and or mental status changes. On physical exam, be sure to do provocative tests for tetany, and these include Trousseau sign and Chwasteck sign. Trousseau sign is a carpal pedal spasm after blood pressure readings, and Chwasteck sign is facial muscle contractions after tapping on the facial nerve. As far as imaging, radiographic findings may include looser zones, brown tumor, osteosclerosis from mineralization of osteomalacic bone, as well as a rugged jersey spine, a widened growth plate and zone of provisional calcification in children, varus deformity of the femurs in children, fracture, soft tissue calcification, and or osteopenia. A CT scan may show osseous resorption. As far as other evaluation for renal osteodystrophy, histology may show thin trabeculae, and remember that amyloid stains pink on the Congo red stain. As far as labs in the setting of renal osteodystrophy, the ones to know include decreased serum calcium, increased serum phosphate, and increased parathyroid hormone. Again, the labs in renal osteodystrophy include decreased serum calcium, increased serum phosphate, and increased parathyroid hormone. As far as treatment of renal osteodystrophy, it is typically non-operative, and this is directed at treating the underlying renal condition or relieve urologic obstruction. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, which of the following series of lab values is most consistent with the diagnosis of high turnover renal osteodystrophy? And the choices are one, decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone, two, decreased calcium, decreased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone, three, increased calcium, normal serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and normal parathyroid hormone, four, decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, normal alkaline phosphatase, and decreased parathyroid hormone, and five, increased calcium, normal serum phosphate, normal or high alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone. The correct answer to this question is one, decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone. So again, decreased calcium, increased serum phosphate, increased alkaline phosphatase, and increased parathyroid hormone are all characteristic of renal osteodystrophy. To quickly review, renal osteodystrophy represents a spectrum of disease seen in patients with chronic renal disease. It is characterized by bone mineralization deficiency due to electrolyte and endocrine abnormalities. High turnover renal osteodystrophy is classically associated with significantly increased phosphate and parathyroid hormone levels. Chronic renal disease leads to a decrease in renal phosphorus excretion, which leads to phosphate retention and a significant increase in PTH levels. This ultimately can lead to tertiary hyperparathyroidism. Tejwani et al. present a review article on renal osteodystrophy. They state that in high turnover renal osteodystrophy, PTH secretion is increased 
and in the absence of medical intervention, leads to parathyroid gland hyperplasia. This hyperplasia is associated with loss of feedback inhibition and normal regulation of PTH secretion. Consequently, even after correction of the renal disease, the parathyroid gland continues to secrete excessive levels of PTH. Moving on to the next question, what laboratory findings would you expect to find in a patient newly diagnosed with renal osteodystrophy? And the choices are one, decreased PTH secretion, hypophosphatemia, and hypocalcemia, two, increased PTH secretion, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia, three, decreased PTH secretion, hypophosphatemia, and hypercalcemia, four, increased PTH secretion, hyperphosphatemia, and hypercalcemia, and five, hypophosphatemia and hypocalcemia. The correct answer to this question is two, increased PTH secretion, hyperphosphatemia, and hypocalcemia. So this is basically the same question that we just did, but to quickly review, renal osteodystrophy is characterized by bone mineralization deficiency due to the electrolyte and endocrine abnormalities associated with chronic kidney disease. The pathogenesis of renal osteodystrophy is multifactorial. Hypocalcemia occurs due to the inability of the damaged kidney to convert vitamin D3 into its active form, calcitriol. The hypocalcemia and lack of phosphate excretion by the damaged kidney causes hyperparathyroidism and secondary hyperphosphatemia. And moving on to the final question, you are seeing a dialysis patient for a fragility fracture. The patient also carries a diagnosis of renal osteodystrophy. What is the key pathophysiological step that is responsible for his osteomalacia? And the choices are one, altered parathyroid hormone receptor sensitivity, two, chronic metabolic alkalosis, three, chronic imbalance or electrolytes during dialysis, four, uremia-related phosphate retention, and five, tyrosine kinase receptor phosphorylation of the improper intracellular signaling proteins. The correct answer to this question is for uremia-related phosphate retention. So the key pathophysiological step in renal osteodystrophy is uremia-related phosphate retention. While the pathogenesis is multifactorial, renal osteodystrophy is characterized by bone mineralization deficiency due to the electrolyte and endocrine abnormalities associated with chronic kidney disease. Hypocalcemia occurs due to the inability of the damaged kidney to convert vitamin D3 into its active form, calcitriol. The damaged kidneys are also not able to adequately secrete phosphorus. This causes insoluble calcium phosphate to form in the body, which removes calcium from the circulation. This leads to hypocalcemia and hence secondary hyperparathyroidism along with hyperphosphatemia. That's all for this review about renal osteodystrophy. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you've gotten any value out of the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.